guys, welcome to another episode of the Ali Show, and today we have a very special guest, Mr. Carl Van Roon. Thank you so much, Ali. Really How appreciate are you, Carl? it. I'm good, brother. How you doing? Not too bad. Um, well, uh, we had you know sparring training in the morning, and um, yeah, just uh, just had a good, nice, uh, cold shower. Nice. So I think that actually makes a difference, especially now these days when it's so hot. Oh man. Have you not noticed? Super hot, eh? It's getting crazy. Some I think there there's just some days where you take a shower, like ten minutes out of the shower and you're sweating. Man. Already. Yeah, it's becoming kind of tropical, eh? Yeah, it's insane. But well, in saying that, man, I think I don't know. Would you say you you prefer the heat or you prefer the cold? The heat for sure. The heat, absolutely. You be from you're from Singapore, aren't yeah, you? Originally. Yeah, You'd be yeah. used to that. That tropical weather. You know all about it. The mon- <laughs> the monsoon season. Yeah, bro, bro, and like especially you know, I, 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 but I think the other one is hot and humid. You know, like when oh, it's yeah. humid, it gets real it's hard. It's different. Yeah, yeah, it's too sweaty. You feel sticky. Disgusting, eh? Oh, it's bad. Just and, don't want to go outside. Oh, man. And t- tell me about it. And like, you know, I, but well, this one's a funny one. I just recently talked to uh, one of my mates. They were ask, asking me about the bus and the trains and all that. And I was just laughing because like, man, I can't remember when's the last time I took a bus mm. or a train. And you've got to remember like, uh, you know, what countries like that, you know, in Asia, huge population, yeah. small space, and like, it's just so dense. Bro. Yeah, man. Imagine like the public transport, right? It's already hot and humid, and you're squeezing in like the bus and the train, and you're smelling everybody as you go, <laughs> man. It's bad, bro. I look at it now, and I just get like, man, I get anxiety. Anxiety bro. thinking <laughs> about it. <laughs> I need my social distance. It's crazy, it's man. It's like those conductors in Japan pushing people onto trains, eh? To try yeah, to pack more in. Man, I've seen videos of that. That's insane. Have you been there yourself? Yeah, yeah. I've been to Japan maybe six or seven times. Wow. Competing and stuff. Actually, my uh, my partner, Mani, she used to live in Japan for about four years. Oh, cool. Yeah, what was she doing yeah. up there? Um, she was teaching English, um, modeling, um, a few different things. Wow, yeah, over that's the years. awesome. Yeah, I've yeah. Got a, I've got a mate who used to... Um, well, I used to be working uh, in the oil and gas industry. And uh, one of our mates, um, he got there and he he op- he opened up a, a cafe. It was like a biker-like cafe thing mm. and they sell some cl- vintage clothes, uh, you know, those biker-style clothes and stuff like that. And they have this cool cafe. And I was like, man, that's so cool, bro. You know, I was, well, you know, from back then, like the life that we used to live, you know, always just traveling, working, being away yeah. and just, you know, bringing it down like a few notches, very relaxing chill kind of environment man that's so cool anyway before we drop you know go through far into that um carl for those who don't know who you are could you give a brief introduction about yourself sure um yeah so my name is carl van Roon. i've been doing martial arts since i was 10 years old uh next month i'll be turning 37 so i've been doing martial arts almost 27 years now wow um i uh grew up in mount eden so just around the corner from where we are right now because we're filming at city kickboxing where i also train now doing um mixed martial arts um, with the with the gang. Um, I run my own martial arts school. I'm a professional martial artist. Um, I have a coaching team who works with me of about another uh, half a dozen coaches. Um, we teach um, both traditional martial arts and mixed martial arts or contemporary combat sports. So one half of our program is Taekwondo and Karate, the traditional side of things, and the other half is kickboxing and mixed martial arts. Um, uh, yeah, so it's kind of a reconciliation between traditional values and um, modern innovation. That's how I like to think of it. Um, another part of what I do, I've been fortunate enough to do, is work in film and TV. So doing stunts for um, for films and for uh, TV shows and things. I've been doing that for about a decade now. 
Wow. And um, yeah, it's been an awesome ride and um, I don't have any plan slowing down, you know? Yeah. So you, yeah. Which one of the things that really shocked me as well was when I asked you earlier off camera how old you were. Because I tried to find, I couldn't I couldn't find like what your age was. And I was like, man, Carl must be like, you know, I was thinking in your early in your late 20s or early 30s. Oh, and weird. then when you told me your age, I said, nah, it can't be, man. Like, man, do you even age, Carl? <laughs> Botox, brother. Botox. <laughs> well, you can do a lot of things oh, these just, days. Yeah, right? yeah, bro. Absolutely. Um, Just, yeah, I... I just put that down to doing. Man, you got to share with us, like, um, is it, does it does it have to do with like your your diet, your sleep routine, your skincare routine? Mm. Do you have like any special or no? Nah? Well, I think the I think the uh, well, my my wife is is actually a beauty therapist, skin oh, therapist, okay. but that must I, be handy. <laughs> it is handy. It is handy. But I but I would say um, the biggest thing I think is just doing what you're passionate about and what you love every day. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And when you're naturally, this is this is only my perspective, but for me, if I'm naturally joyful and passionate about what I'm doing, training isn't a chore. Mm. Um, no stress. Keeping my body, yeah, keeping my body healthy mm. and strong oh. and fit is, an, is a pleasure. It's a, it's a jo- enjoyment, you know? Um, self-discipline is um, a freedom for me. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Um, it's, it's just the consequence of me... Yeah, I, I feel grateful to be able to do what I love. Yeah, man. And because of that, um, I think... It plays, you know, a, you know, when you're happy. I think that's the other one. Like, you know, when you... Sometimes when you come across people who are like down, like always down and mm, sad and depressed, mm. like they have a... You, you, see, you see it on their face. You, you know, see they, it physically. You see it on their face, the exactly. way they hold themselves. Yeah. It, it affects your, your mental health, but also your physical health, you yeah, know? exactly. When you're stressed, your immune system gets low, then you're tired all the time, then you start reaching for food that you shouldn't necessarily eat and wouldn't empower you keep you stronger then your physical health changes it's a vicious cycle right it is hey guys ali here just want to say thank you for listening to our podcast we appreciate your love and your support if you're not already on board please do follow us on here and share it with your friends and family if you prefer a visual experience our videos are actually up on youtube at the ali channel please don't forget to subscribe like and share and leave a comment or feedback if you like And also you can follow us on our socials at the underscore Ali underscore channel for Instagram and on our Facebook page at the Ali channel. We'll see you soon and I hope you enjoy the rest of the podcast. As opposed to when you're happy, when you feel good about everything that you're doing, you don't feel the need to kind of... It just flows. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, you just feel happy, you know, like, um, yeah, and you, I think you tend to take care of yourself better as there well. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you feel better about yourself. So you have more self-respect, right? Yeah. That's, yeah you look after yourself. And man, then, that's, mm. that's a big one, you know, especially in this, in this day and age, like, you know, like, the, the other, you know, people, when you talk about, like, self-respect and respecting your body and, you know, what you put in your body as well, it's just so, these days, it's so easy to eat junk you mm. know it's just so easily accessible cheaper and like fast food you know mm. and all that uber eats bro <sighs> bro with uber, late, I, late night uh late night uh guilty man, pleasure that's, that's dangerous bro i think yeah. like you know it's it's, it's like it, room service wherever you are exactly man and you know i, I don't want to i don't want to trash uber eats you know but de- it's definitely a benefit if you using it in the right way you know but they have i think the thing is 
especially like all the places where they you can order from. Some places actually do serve like good food, you know, sure. good healthy food. But like when you, you know, obviously they're going to start push, they're going to push for the places which, you know, you know, like product placements and all mm. that, which ones they're going to push. Mm. There's some kind of deals that they make mm. internally that we don't know about. And, you know, they always try to push the stuff that, you know, that might not be the healthiest stuff. Yeah. Or it might be just the businesses that pay more. Yeah. Advertising and all that sort of stuff. I think well, it's also just the lowest common denominator. Similar with social media, you know, mm. what gets the most attention the quickest? Uh, it's the things that taste, that are the cheapest, that taste the best, you know what I mean? And are uh, give you instant gratification. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's, <laughs> nobody's getting excited about ordering like, you know, Healthy some fruit salad. salad. Yeah, 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 yeah. From Uber Eats. Nobody's getting pumped up about that. Do you know what I mean? Um, and the same with Instagram. I mean, you know, myself, I use that as a marketing tool. Mm. But, but a lot of the time, the way that you get um, attention is on making something exciting and quick and easy and instantly gratifying. And then hopefully it leads to something more significant and something deeper and you can explore yeah. martial arts deeper. But I think it's, that's, I think it's, that's, it's got to catch your attention. I yeah. think, I think I saw somewhere uh, or they did like a, a research or study. They say that like the first five or 10 seconds is where if you don't catch their attention, you're just going to lose the person. You know, they're, they're not going to wait for the next I think for the stories, like a minute or whatever, which is it. really interesting. You know, like, you know, sometimes it doesn't really help because people would tend to use like the, you know, they'll take the certain stuff that they want and use it as like the sound bites, you know, and yeah. and they'll just exploit that. Like we were talking about the long form discussions like this, mm. more room for nuance, exactly. less divisive, not just throwing out, monologuing at the other person quickly trying to get your point across, yeah. just crush them. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's nice to be able to take your time with exactly. the conversation. Anyway, Carl, I, I want to I talk a little bit about, you know, your beginnings. You said you started um, when you were 10 yeah. uh, in martial arts. So which was the which was the first one you got into and how, how did you get into it? Like, Yeah, cool. Um, I had wanted to do martial arts since I was a very young boy. My parents said, because my parents are quite... Um, pacifistic you know they're pacifist basically you know what i mean um denouncing violence um, which i mean i think is a good mm. general way to be regardless of whether you're a martial artist or not um but they're very academic and i don't i think they were like you know you're gonna have to be responsible if you're gonna do any martial arts stuff so they were like when you're when you're 10 years old if you're responsible enough and you still want to do it then you can then you can take it up so i waited and waited and waited and on my 10th birthday basically after that i was like come on you said when I'm 10, I'm allowed to go and do it. So uh, I started in karate at the local school, which was Mount Eden Normal Primary School, where I also went. In fact, um, my eldest daughter goes there now. So wow. it's like all going like full cycle. It's quite, <laughs> kind of quite crazy. Um, yeah. And uh, so I started doing karate. And the style of karate that I did was a style called Ashihara Karate. And Ashihara. Ashihara. And it's a derivative of another um, very famous style called Kyokushin Karate, which is a full contact karate style that has... It has um, full contact sparring and low kicking and, um, you know, we discussed it off camera just before. Mm -hmm. So um, it's, a fairly, it's a fairly physical style of karate. Mm -hmm. And um, Ashihara uh, builds on that because it has like takedowns and throws and trips and things like that as well. And you pull the gi and you use the gi a little bit like judo, um, judo-ish. There's no ground fighting or anything like that. Anyway, I didn't really know the difference that that was, a, that, that was unique in the karate world. 
Do you know what I mean? I just mm. thought that's karate. I'm a kid. I had no idea. I just thought that was the thing. Mm. Uh, I didn't really realize that what Ashihara had done was take a whole bunch of different influences and ideas from different martial arts. And he had created his own kind of version of a mixed martial art. Okay. But in the karate world. Do you know what I mean? And he had innovated quite a lot. But he had continued to call it karate and still use a lot of the um, cultural um, references and rituals and things that come along with Japanese martial arts. Um, but if you compare that to, say, for example, Shotokan karate, it's quite a different thing. It's quite a different beast. Anyway, so that was the first martial art they did. And and that, um, sorry, just to, sorry to interrupt you there. There's a, like a few different kinds there. Like, um, you know, how is there like an actual... Do people know what's the actual number of how many different kinds there are, or styles? Or yeah, in 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 karate, there's there's um, there's probably like five to ten major styles: okay. Shotokan, Gojuryu, um, Wadoryu, um, Shitoryu, um, to name a few. Kyokushin. Mm. Those are some big ones. Um, and then, but then there's hundreds of um, different uh, derivatives that trace their lineage back. And originally, karate came from Okinawa, and Okinawa was its own kingdom originally, and then when it was conquered by Japan, karate ended up being disseminated onto the mainland of Japan um, by people like Gichin Funakoshi, who was the kind of considered the founder of modern karate. Anyway, he disseminated that, and then, um, and then that kind of spread throughout the Japanese uh, school system and throughout the country. They took on judo's grading system, so they added um, a dogi, like... Um, the uniform and belts and um, they never had that before okay. and um then that interestingly the founder of taekwondo general Choi hong he he ended up studying shotokan karate in japan he became a secondary black belt he took that back to korea and then he um reformed that and integrated that and um, brought in a whole bunch of different things from different martial arts that he liked including a martial art called taekyon which has a very um uh, advanced kicking techniques combined that with his karate knowledge and a few other different influences and built the martial art of taekwondo. Mm. So, so, you know, in my mind, when people say, how do you feel about traditional martial arts versus mixed martial arts? When I look at things, it's like people have actually been doing mixed martial arts since the dawn of time. They've just been exactly. calling them, they've just been labeling them politically to mm. suit their agenda and suit their position at that point. So, um, General Choi Hong-hee, the founder of Taekwondo, he was like, how can we make this better? How can we improve this? How can we evolve it? So he added the elements that he saw fit and he adapted it to his country and his situation. He was a general in the army. He wanted to create discipline. He wanted to create pride in the Korean people. So he used it as a tool to do that and disseminate that throughout the world. The founder of Shotokan Karate did that in Japan, but originally came from Okinawa. And people adapt martial arts as they go. Judo went to um, Brazil at the turn of the uh, 20th century, the early 1900s, with Count um, Maeda. And then they met the Gracie family and they developed Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. They adapted it to their causes at that time. So everything is really mixed martial arts. Everything, yeah. humans constantly mix and evolve. We like to talk about purity in terms of martial arts and say, oh, well, this is karate and this is taekwondo and this is it. Those are all just labels. Mm -hmm. You know, like my homeboy, Bruce Lee, you know, he was saying that <laughs> in the 70s, you know? Yeah. The father of modern uh, MMA, basically or at least the idea of it, um, you know. So, yeah, for me, um, my martial arts journey is about reconciling and exploring that. And I really enjoy looking at the history, looking at history and looking at the past and understanding where that is and then reconciling that with um, current trends 
and seeing the cycles of how things go around and um, you know evolving but also not necessarily just throwing the baby out with the bathwater and seeing what else we can garner what value we can garner from the past without being without being constrained by it Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I, I know I went on a bit of a rant. No, no, no. It's, but man, um, yeah, I, I appreciate like a. It's so cool to learn about like all the stuff because like man, I, I have no, I have no idea about a lot of the stuff that you're telling me. So I was like, I was engrossed in all the information there. It was mm. so cool, and how it's like all, it's all like interconnected. You know, it comes it from, it leads leads back to somewhere, and like man, that's so cool. Yeah. Um, so the thing with um, you know, when you started. You went, the first one you went to was uh, karate. karate. And that was when I was about 10. Then when I was about, uh, when I was 16 years old, a Taekwondo school, a uh, Taekwondo club opened up at my high school, Auckland Grammar. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then um, I went along and um, I suppose, you know, a lot of martial arts have a very cultish aspect, aspect to them, you know, um, and they're kind of like, they kind of brainwash you to be like, this is the best one. You know, mm. we've got the answers. And I kind of had the feeling like, yeah, yeah, this form of karate, actually, karate, this is the, this is the shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> we've got everything here. We're all good. I went along to this Taekwondo club and I was like, you know, I, I, um, I realized that there was this whole other aspect that I really wanted to explore further. And I was looking forward to it, particularly the dynamic kicking stuff. So I joined up and originally I was like, yeah, yeah, I can do all this stuff. And I was like, nah, I'm a little bit humbled and I realized I can learn more. So I, um, I invested time in doing that. And then um, when I was uh, 18, I had got my black belt in karate as well as Taekwondo by that time. Wow. And then... Um, that progression for Taekwondo, like, um, well, it might have been faster for you. Exactly. Because you have that precisely. background in karate. Yeah, 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 precisely. And because they're sister arts, if you're very motivated, um, then, like in my case, like the order in, the belt order in Taekwondo is white, yellow, green, blue, red, black. Karate is similar, depending on the style, but they usually have brown instead of red. And I, in a, in a six-month period, I tried to cram in all the information from those grades up to red. So I went straight from white to red, and then I just had to do black, stripe, and black. And my goal was that I wanted to compete and test myself and so on and so forth. Mm. So by 2001, I had my black belt in both of those styles, karate and taekwondo. And then two years later, I trialed for the New Zealand um, national team to go to the world championships. And then I started competing on the world stage, uh, you know, in 2002, 2003. And then I started uh, competing then. And around about the same time, around about 17, 18 years old, I started kickboxing too. Yeah. Wow. Just yeah. to add on to it. Yeah. So, you know, it's just like full on obsession. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like um, go from one session to another to another. And so that would be like a, yeah, that was kind of. Uh, like, when you were like back then, you probably, well, I assume you would still be studying like at that period. How did you? Yeah, managed to study. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My parents for all this different <laughs> martial arts. It's not, it's not, you know, it's, it's not just one. Yeah, you're going for probably a few or maybe like two in a day or exactly. something like that. Yeah, exactly. Um, my my parents. I think I mentioned they've got an academic background. My mum is a professor at the University of Auckland, and um, all like our family all kind of um have various degrees and different things. Myself, um, I ended up studying sports science, and the way that that happened was. My parents said at the end of school, you know, what are you going to do? You know, we think that you should go and study at university. And I was like, uh, I said, you know, is there a martial arts degree? And they're like, there's no martial arts degree. <laughs> you know, like in other countries, they have that, right? Yeah, like in some, Korea, yeah. they've got Taekwondo. In Russia, you can study like wrestling and Sambo. And, Sambo, yeah. You know, which is badass. Um, <laughs> but anyway, the closest thing was sports science, right? Mm -hmm. So I ended up doing sports science and I did a bachelor's degree. 
Um, and then I did a postgraduate diploma as well in exercise rehabilitation. And then I went on to do a master's degree and I did that in um, mindset coaching. So wow. kind of sports psychological um, techniques to enhance um, coaching and um, martial arts performance. Yeah. Wow, that's so, so cool. You, it's, it's interesting how, um, you know, all the stuff that you're learning as well can like really benefit you, you know, yeah. as a fighter. Yeah, precisely. As a martial artist. How yeah. has that helped you? Um, in what you do yeah tremendously I mean it's almost it almost gets to the point where you take it for granted um, like there are there are certain principles in um, that we learn in science that are like a benchmark for whether you're doing things correctly understanding the scientific method and um, testing a hypothesis um, like I'll, I'll give you a basic example um, sports specificity so a lot of people spend a lot of time doing like training or you could, some people say junk training, you know what I mean? They just do extra training for the sake of it. But does the training that you're doing really resemble the task that you want to become best at? Do you know what I mean? For example, it's a really, it's like sports science 101, sports specificity or injury prevention. Um, if you're increasing, um, if you want to, uh, well, even before injury prevention, let's just say you want to uh, improve a certain aspect or a certain attribute. Let's say you want to get faster or you want to get stronger or you want to get more flexible. Well, the fundamental principle is progressive overload. So you gradually progressively overload step by step, week by week, month by month, and cycle towards a certain goal. And the way that you do that is you stress your body, then you allow it to rest and get nutrients back, and then you stress it again and you recover again. And we get this thing called the supercompensation curve, which is where you get like gradual growth, but it's kind of like going up and down because you're stressing and then recovering, stressing and recovering. It's called progressive overload. Supercompensation is the adaptation towards that final goal. So those things become like automatic. And if you want to do, for example, injury prevention, then while you're doing that supercompensation curve, you don't want to do too much overload by doing too many things at the same time. You don't want to change volume and intensity and add several days and do a new exercise. You'll injure yourself instantly. Mm. You want to do one thing at a time. So like, let's say that you introduce skipping. You don't decide I'm going to do skipping five days a week for 45 minutes at a high intensity twice a day. That's crazy. You'll have shin splints instantly. Like you could take anybody that doesn't do that and give them like compartment syndrome, shin splints instantly. So what you do is you say, okay, I'm going to skip twice a week for 10 minutes, low intensity, and I'm going to see how my body adapts. Give it a couple of weeks. 15 minutes same intensity maybe 20 minutes still just twice a week then a few weeks okay keep the dip time the same 20 minutes now increase the intensity a little bit and then a couple more weeks add a third add a third week mm. so you know i'm 37 now i mean i cracked my ribs had uh broke my hand punching somebody's forehead funnily enough you know things like that but mm. mostly i haven't had big injuries no acls no major shoulder stuff I haven't like done my neck or my back terribly. You know, I had, I've had, I've had needles all the time. That's part of training. Yeah. But a part of why I'm not completely screwed, and some people are wrecked by the time they get to a certain point, mm. is I think not doing things smarter. They just do things harder, and it's just a, a tough guy. Let's just crush mentality. And you've got to have that. You've got to have an element of that. You've got to be able to embrace the grind. But there's ways to embrace the grind without breaking yourself. Exactly, and I think this this might be a real problem. Like in this in, in like in this day now, I see a lot of people who who don't really 
try to learn more about what they're doing mm. and they just smash it as they go yeah. and you know having that you know rest is for the weak mentality mm. like that's that's a thing of the past now we can't be you know we have to be you know obviously with time people learn a lot of things a lot of advancements and you know there are reasons why you learn from the best and but this is the other one right one one of the things is knowing what people do and then taking what works for you yeah yeah cuz not everybody can adapt to that same kind of training or that same method yeah. so that's why like you know you kind of have to like do a, a trial and error but not push yourself to and that's that's very scientific trial and error testing a hypothesis looking at a having a method for testing it okay i'm going to try this training method then you look at the results and then you come to a conclusion that's a very scientific way of looking at things for yourself and you basically just quoted um you know again my homeboy bruce lee absorb <laughs> what's re- useful and reject what's useless and add what's uniquely your own it's like a cornerstone for his martial art philosophy of jeet kune do like it's exactly you know those things are like big influences for me and i think um every serious martial artist would do well to consider that you know it doesn't have to be that complicated you know what i mean a lot of it is you know a lot of it your intuition your body's very well evolved to to know whether something is right or wrong or whether it's working or not you know what i mean and it will it will mm. give you feedback but then at the same time sometimes you can get so caught up in trying to be academic and be analytical that you forget that there's no school like the old school there's a reason that old school martial artists were just they had a tough grind repetition mentality and i think that's kind of what i was trying to say to you before it's about honoring the traditional stuff and the what we can learn from the past but also being innovative you know what i mean exactly doesn't mean we have to progress like progression you know yeah. you got to it's a way of life right exactly it's it's like everything that doesn't evolve dies out exactly everything yeah. that doesn't adapt dies out um yeah so um man oh, oh, so you got your both your black belts for uh, black belts for karate and uh, taekwondo Uh, by the time you're 17 18 yeah 17 18 and uh, so i understand you are like um you know for people who don't know carl actually has some pretty incredible accomplishments um so you you currently i think it's 11 or 12 time world champion for taekwondo and karate yeah yeah so in different different disciplines and so, some of those are fighting disciplines okay. some of those are um uh Some of the some of those are under taekwondo, some of those are under karate, some of those are like a This was like the original guy that I met from CKB actually probably the first one that kind of led me into coming in training at CKB. Oh wow. Um <laughs> Yeah, Shane Young. I think we probably met 2014, 2015. I had just come back to New Zealand from the Gold Coast. Oh. And um yeah, he we were doing some um training and stuff. I had been training over there um at a great gym, a great MMA gym with Vincent Perry at uh, potential potential unlimited mixed martial arts. If you're ever doing MMA on the Gold Coast, I totally recommend Vince Ooh, Perry and yeah. his team. But this guy, we started training together and then um it led me into doing training at CKB. Wow. Yeah, cool. yeah. Interesting. Um, yeah, yeah. He's quite the character. Eh? He's awesome. I a love chirpy guy. Yeah. I love Shane. Just such a great energy. Yes, love is. that energy. Yeah, um, we're talking about world titles. Look, some of those are for like um 
stuff like board breaking, we have different um, divisions. So mm. in Taekwondo, one of the divisions we have is um, about jumping kicking. And it's kind oh, of like high jump, except you have to break a board. Who can break the highest? It's five different ways that you have to jump and kick and break boards. So that's called special technique. I was five-time world champion for that. Wow. Another thing that we do is choreograph fights, which are called pre-arranged sparring or traditional sparring. It's like, it's like a choreographed fight using Taekwondo moves. Kind of ends up looking a bit like a movie fight scene, which kind of crosses over with my work that I do in film and TV with fight choreography. And then the other ones are various fighting titles. So um, sometimes, well, I've, I've competed in all sorts, really. Um, there's, I've competed in point sparring I've, uh, or, um, or full contact karate, um, continuous uh, sparring in terms of Taekwondo, Olymp both Olympic style and non-Olympic style Taekwondo, um, various forms of kickboxing. Um, recently, more recently, mixed martial arts. Um, and so for me, it's all about being a a martial artist not a partial artist you know so it's not like getting dogmatic and being like this is the best this isn't mm. I, I really i really would be happy training muay thai with a top muay thai coach i'd be happy training with a top boxing coach i'd be happy training with well that's why that's why i collaborate with ckb because mm. there's so many great specialists around and if i can contribute my my part as a long distance um distance management and timing management coach long range sort of sniper mm. type of a striking coach as well as like a, a dynamic kicking coach if i can contribute that and also continue to grow on my path as a martial artist um then that's that's something that i'm grateful for so that's why i've been you know um enjoying that that process that's both doing my own and um and also being involved as a, as a team member man that's so cool um out of like um all this, um, you know, the accomplishments that you've had, which was the one you'd say would be like the most meaningful to you? Yeah, right. Um, I, uh, going back in time, when I first started competing on the world stage for Taekwondo, um, we had a, I guess there was a common conception that we were too isolated to be competitive on the world stage. People were like, you know, the Europeans are competing every other weekend in major tournaments. Um, in America, North America, South America, in Asia, there's major tournaments and there's top world coaches and there's world-class coaches, um, you know, building people. And the, the conception was we won't be able to compete on that level. And, um, you know, by being resourceful and competing in Taekwondo as well as karate or kickboxing and traveling more and basically going, putting everything in, going all in, to get to whatever country you could, you know, to learn more with top coaches, whether we brought them to us or whether we went to them. Um, that's that's what helped us to get further along. And I, I remember people said, you know, you, you wouldn't, that, you know, you won't be able to compete, you know, being from New Zealand. And um, during so, those, those so, days when yeah. you were, were, were heavily involved in that, was there a big pool? Here, people here? Uh, well, you know, there's probably about, there's about probably 3,500 members in the organization that wow. we compete in. But that's, you know, that's young, old, competitive level. Mm. A lot of those are recreational and stuff. Um, I think in terms of traditional martial arts organizations, that's probably the biggest in the country, which is International Taekwondo, um, to which I have my Taekwondo side of stuff at my, at my facility affiliated. But to get back to your point about what I'm, what one of the things that I'm proud about was, in 2007, I got a bronze medal in um, my weight division at the World Championships, which was minus 80 kgs. And at that point, a bronze was like 
for New Zealand, a bronze was like, nobody got a bronze in fighting divisions. Do you know what I mean? Because mm. we were too isolated. It was like, you know, it was like a big deal. It was like a breakthrough. And then two years later in Argentina, I was uh, the first one was Canada. And then that was 2007. And then in Argentina, I got silver and I went through five fights. And in the final fight, I fought against my rival from Argentina and he beat me in the final, um, but I got silver. And, you know, I was pretty satisfied. Um, I got a good black eye to show for it. And, you know, <laughs> I also won my special technique division, the jumping kick and stuff. Um, and then the following year after that, that rival of mine, he had beaten me already three times. I'd never beat him. And I knocked him out with a spinning hook kick. Ooh. We called it a reverse turning kick. And I, I, I finally um, got him at an event. We were in Jamaica. And I, I knocked him out with that. So that was very satisfying. And then the following year, um, our official World Championships, International Taekwondo Federation World Championships, uh, we held that in New Zealand. And it was the first time it had ever come to New Zealand wow. since um, uh, basically the early 70s, right? So it had never happened. And for me, it was like, it was like, it felt like do or die. It was like our, on our doorstep. It was in our territory. We had to, you know, if there was any time to put everything in, it was now. It was now. Yeah. And so all the guys came over. I, f I think I fought Russia and um, uh, America, Slovenia, um, a couple more countries. And I, I won that world championship and I got the gold. And it had, it had really taken me 10 years of world championships. 2003 in Poland, 2005 in Germany, 2007 in Canada, 2009 in Argentina, and then finally New Zealand in 2011 to finally reach that and get gold and show New Zealanders that we could compete on the world stage. Wow. And still now... There's no New Zealanders that have won gold at senior world championships for Taekwondo. And now I'm working on creating a new generation of youngsters that can compete on the world level, whether it's in Taekwondo or whether they're going to go down the route of mixed martial arts, which is part of why, you know, I've, I've got more and more involved with that in the last decade. Um, because I love, the, I love the freedom that mixed martial arts presents, you know, to be able to express yourself fully as Bruce Lee would say, you know, and to be able to explore things openly because the principles that govern effective combat sport mastery, they're universal. But being able to explore them in a way that is open, it's very liberating and it's very enjoyable. So, you know, as a martial artist, that's that's kind of like, uh, that's what I love about that, you know? Yeah. I love the specialization. Mm -hmm. I love seeing a boxer work his craft in that isolated way. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I, or a wrestler or a judoka or a jiu-jitsu player but I also love seeing how they integrate and the chemistry of what happens when you put two together you know when you when you mix different elements so and use uh, it to you know like because th there are times where it's better to use one form some to have a mix of it yeah. some to stick to a different form and you know just knowing and, and that's that's what's so cool about what you've done with that is, you know, learning all these different techniques. And I mean, like, it would benefit you in a lot of ways. Like when you're fighting with someone who, who okay, let's say, for example, when you fought someone who just has been learning Taekwondo. Yeah. And, you know, you've got certain aspects of karate that you put in. Tremendously. You know, and like, I assume that it, it, will, it will surprise them. You know, it, like, it absolutely does. And the those exact situations have happened. You know, uh, like I've been in open martial arts tournaments and against a Taekwondo person, I'll sweep them over. 
or throw them or trip them, things that aren't really emphasized in Taekwondo. Or against the karate fighter, I'll spinning back kick them because they're not familiar enough with it. But you're being a chameleon. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Mm. And then I, I like to think of it like a language thing. It's like, um, do you speak any other languages, Ali? Um, yes, one other language. No, What's no, that? Uh, just Malay. And Malay. A little bit of uh, Bahasa Indonesia. But Bahasa? Yeah. Okay, because yeah. they're similar, right? Maha, yeah. Malay Close. Yeah. Close. Okay. Kind of, um, yeah, cool, cool. So, yeah, I kind of feel like it's like you're bilingual and you're able to switch probably, you could probably switch between Malay and English really easily. Like if there was another um, guy from, uh, let's say, Malaysia or Singapore who spoke Malay and he was sitting here. You could probably have a little chat and then you could quickly go back to me and then go back to him. I feel like it's a bit like that. You know, at the long range striking, you can use a bit of Taekwondo and then go into kickboxing on the inside and then clinch and then hit a, hit a takedown and then back out anywhere in between. But for the person that is only skilled in one range or element, during the time that you speak to them in their non-native tongue, if they're less familiar with it, there's like a lag. Their, their mental resources are like, what? I'm not familiar with that. Even if you don't land something that's like a telling shot, it's unfamiliar. They can't operate on an autonomous level, an automatic level. And that leaves gaps. That leaves gaps in their arsenal, in their knowledge. It happens to me when I'm on the ground with a really skilled jiu-jitsu player. Of course, I'm trying to always work on it, you know. It can happen in wrestling, it can happen in boxing, it can happen in kickboxing. It can happen also at the longer range, which is longer than kickboxing, which is Taekwondo and Karate. Mm. Do you get what I mean? And we see it with people like Wonderboy Thompson, Raymond Daniels, um, Michael Venom Page, Lyoto Machida. These people that come from that background, that's similar to where um, I come from. And when you understand it, you can use it against them. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You can use it against them. Or... But that's only if you understand a bit of the language, if you know why they're doing it and what they're doing it for. You don't have to become that, but understanding it a bit better, knowing w how a sniper rifle works, you know what I mean? Mm. You know, means that you don't expose yourself to the power of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's just, that's pretty cool how I like listening to, you know, how you've put it, you know, um, you know, using that against them. You know, that's usually you'd wanna, you know, usually you wanna out like i mean you want to outform or you want to do it better but you kind of use it to their disadvantage yes exactly and so you either you either you can try to play the sniper game against them if you also have your own sniper rifle and you're skilled enough at it or you can remove the space and you can get in close and use a shotgun and then their sniper rifle is no use mm -hmm. so you can just stab them with a knife and they, they you know exactly. if they don't have yeah. a knife they're done you know what i mean that's the interesting thing or you can use the analogy of a spear a sword, a machete, a dagger, you know, whatever way you want to look at it. But everything's useless and everything's useful. If we're at long range and we're three meters away and I've got a spear and you've got a dagger, I want the spear. Exactly. If we're standing this close, a sword's pretty good. And if we're closer, I don't want the spear. Yeah. I want that, that knife. Wouldn't work. I want that yeah, knife. You'd want that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like forget about the spear, you're wasting your time. Exactly. So so it's it's more just an awareness that all all powers are weak. And all powers are strong depending on context. And then adaptability, controlling the distance and timing is the essential element. Controlling the space. All martial arts are about controlling the space, whether it's standing, whether it's grappling. If you control the space grappling, you get as much of your body onto the opponent in a weak position to uh, constrict and control and shut down their options and negate all their options. 
vice versa if you want to defend that you create space framing hip escaping bridging standing up regaining space and on the standing positions if you can dictate the distance you can dictate how the fight is fought if you can dictate fighting the, the fight in muay thai range you can elbow and knee somebody who has my background and i can really struggle or i can try to negate that by clinching in too close and then using wrestling against you or going longer and picking you apart where you can't reach that stuff mm. it doesn't mean it's stronger or weaker everything's strong and weak depending on context so that would be uh, my, uh, yeah. Way of putting it together. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Man, that's so cool. So with, with all this, um, you know, competing and all that, I assume, you know, you've traveled quite a bit, you know, to not only to learn, yeah. but, you know, different learning and competing. Do you actually, have you keep like, kept track of how many places or countries you've traveled to? Yeah. Um, I don't know the exact number. It's probably... Uh, 30 or 40 maybe wow yeah wow. quite a few that's a lot of a lot of north and south america many many trips to europe probably um probably close to a yeah probably a dozen or more trips to europe definitely um uh, a lot of trips around asia um china korea i lived in korea a little while Ooh. i've come back and forward to japan um many where times. In, uh, in, in korea were you uh, living yeah i lived in pusan Oh, yes. Are you familiar with Busan? Yes, I, I have worked there, lived there. Really? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I have worked there and lived there before. That was yeah. pretty you, cool. It's a pretty cool place. Can you speak any Hangugo? Nah, nah. I think that's the... Uh, man, we were we were very pampered when we were living there because we had, you know, we had the Korean boys who worked with us. Yeah. And they actually learn English. So, they, so well. Yeah. So you didn't... You were like, oh, it's cool. <laughs> yeah, they'll always be with us. Usually, you know, a lot of places that we go. So they'll help, you know, translate for us and all that sort mm -hmm. of stuff. So... Yeah, but you know, you know, you learn a few of the words here and there's just like basic communication. But yeah, it was you know, Pusan was a, a was a pretty cool place, man. Yeah, man, yeah. absolutely. I and was there in like two thousand and six. It's a while now. Wow, fifteen years. Yeah, it is. Eh? And man, I don't know about back then, but um, I'd assume it was harder to drive around during those mm. days as well. Because mm. uh, one of the other things I think I've spoken before on the podcast, which is like you know, you think that like your phone maps is good. You know, and then you go to Korea, you put your phone maps on and you just get lost. You still can't, you know. And the funny one is like, you know, it, it's it's interesting how, you know, people say, you know, how, you know, when they travel these days, you don't need to get GPS from the car rental companies. Yeah. And uh, I would say, man, like, especially Korea, if that's any place you take, that you've got to take, take the it, GPS take from it. them. Because it tells you specifically down to like which lane you got to be in. Because, yeah. man, they've, like some of their roads are huge. They've Massive, got like six, eh? seven lanes. Six on both sides. Yeah, and that's huge. Shocking, eh? And like you know, you come to an area where you have like you know tree. If you know, a f the, it's not a fork. Like oh well, it is fork. There's like three or four different directions you if go. If you're in the wrong lane, you just can't even. Man, it's crazy. Out. It's so like, stressful, eh? If if you go the wrong one and you end up like twenty minutes just to get back to where Absolutely. you were. Absolutely, yeah. And and you know, like most of the, I think it's getting better these days with science being like. You know, they are Bilingual English and things, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. and, you know, you have English words, but man, you can't back in rely. The day, yeah. You can't rely on that. Yeah, back in the day, yes, yeah. so, man. You know, it's 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 pretty cool. Um, you know, I think like these days, maybe I'd say from like twenty fifteen. I think last I uh, well last I was there was twenty seventeen, but um, I noticed that more people were 
learning English in right. Korea and speaking the language as well. Because for them, like Korean is their first language. They don't have to learn like mm-hmm. um, English at all. But I think like especially most of the um, most of the guys who who uh, work in industries, you know, where you deal with um, uh, people from all around the world, like they'd have to learn English. Yeah, you know? yeah. And uh, it's it's so weird. Like, you know, I, I used to travel a lot and go to all these different countries and I make, I at least try to make an effort, you know. I know what you mean. To learn the basics. The same. I just feel like it's just respect, you know. Like, totally. totally. As much as they're trying their best, like we've got to try as well. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, um, sorry. No, back no, that's to, that's cool, man. Um, back to uh, I'm, Busan. I'm totally down with the uh, I'm totally down with the uh, the linguistic stuff. I um, yeah, I'm currently working on a um a show actually, um, the Power Rangers TV show right now. Ooh, and there's a yes. whole Japanese team, and wow. um, actually Japanese is the language that I know the best. So you know, um, how many languages? Oh, uh, I'm well. I speak Japanese the best. I speak some Chinese. Um, I taught myself to read and write Korean when I was in Korea, um, but I wouldn't say that I speak that well. Yeah. Um, and and I speak some Spanish, um, but Japanese is definitely my best. But I, I really love what basically what you said, breaking down cultural barriers with um, the understanding of the language and therefore the cultural nuances and um, customs and values of the people. You know, at, at my own center, um, much like much like um, many gyms and locations in Auckland, um, it's a real melting pot of cultures, and I I really love that. Like we have a lot of so many different nationalities and um, languages being spoke at our martial arts academy, you know, whether it's um, Chinese or Hindi or Cantonese or Russian or um, Afrikaans or, you know, all sorts, German or French or Spanish. Um, Just be able to put a smile on somebody's face and make a recognition that, you know, you're welcome. We're all, it's one love. We're all part of like the human family. Come on in and let's like get some gains. It's yeah. all good. You know, I love that. Hey guys, Ali here. Just want to say thank you for listening to our podcast. We appreciate your love and your support. If you're not already on board, please do follow us on here and share it with your friends and family. If you prefer a visual experience, our videos are actually up on YouTube at the Ali channel. Please don't forget to subscribe, like and share and leave a comment or feedback if you like. And also you can follow us on our socials at the underscore Ali underscore channel for Instagram and on our Facebook page at the Ali channel. We'll see you soon and I hope you enjoy the rest of the podcast. Yeah, talking about your school, Carl. So, uh, Van Roon Martial Arts uh, or school, do you call it school? Or is it a academy or do you use academy school? Which would be a better term for it? Um, yeah, look, um. Because my martial art, because my background is in traditional martial arts originally, um, I would probably call it either the Korean word for that, which is dojang, dojang. or I'd call it a dojo, which would a be dojo. the karate version. You know, so, um, or, but I, I, whatever. A lot of people say gym, yeah. studio. I mean, it's. I don't really care, but 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 the but the meaning behind it is, you know, for me, it, you know, dojo. If you translate it, is like. Door means um, the way, like for example, judo, or karate door, or taekwondo, or in Chinese, Tao. It means like like Taoism, you know, the philosophy about living in harmony with nature and um, with the universe. And so, dojo is like the place of the way, 
you know mm. what I mean? Like without getting like too esoteric and wanky, mm. it's like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's like where it's like where we learn more about ourselves than just how to punch someone in the face. You know okay. what I mean? Like the world doesn't need more people that can punch people in the face well. Do you know what I mean? Mm. But but they but we might need people that have been whose character has been developed by having to try not to get their faces punched yeah. or, conf- or kick. Be in, yeah, exactly. And <laughs> confront each other and therefore have to humble themselves and grow as a person through struggle. And, and, and that's what martial arts for me is about, you know? Mm. So uh, I kind of think of it in those terms, you know what I mean? Personally, yeah. but that's very cool. Yeah. Um, so when martial arts, um, how long have you set up uh, this place, have it up running and all that? Yeah. Going on six years. This current venue, we've been in there for about three and a half years full time. Uh, so we're in Normanby Road on Mount Eden, mm-hmm. um, uh, in Mount Eden. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, so really central. Uh, yeah. Been there for about three and a half years. Close to and pretty much you've, you've spent a lot of your, your life in that area. Yeah. And it's funny how well, things was, have gone was that full a, circle. Yeah. Was, it, was it, that was a big a, reason why you wanted to get a place um, around there? I don't know. Maybe subconsciously. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Look. Um, like I said before, I spent a lot of years traveling. Mm. And then um, my wife, Marnie, and I, we were on the Gold Coast and we had our first daughter, Adara, and she was born there. I was still training in martial arts over there. We ended up moving back here for a work opportunity in 2014. Um, and then I did that for about a year, then moved away from that. And we were like, what are we going to do? So I started Banran Martial Arts. And um, yeah, that's, that's where things kind of went full cycle ended up kind of in the same place, I suppose, um, giving back or reconnecting to the community that started it with me, you know? And one thing that was really special for me recently was when I fought my last fight on Eternal, the Eternal card number 50. Eternal MME. Yeah, Yeah. at Sky City. I had my original, my original karate instructor was the daughter of like the master or sort of grandmaster of our, of our style in New Zealand. And, um, um, her name, uh, I called her Sensei Angie, right? Um, she, she, she took the kids' class when I first started. Mm-hmm. And um, what was special for me was uh, she came along and uh, to support me along with other, because um, she's still running a dojo here in Auckland, you know. And it was like from all the way back to when I was a kid of ten years old, right up until I'm an adult with my own children doing martial arts now. Um, all my martial arts family was there supporting me. And it wasn't a case of um, this or that. It wasn't a case of it's got to be karate or it's got to be this or it's got to be that or be dogmatic. Everybody was happy and supported and united and connected and mm. collaborative. And I think that's part of what we have that's special about the New Zealand martial arts community is people are generous with their time, compassionate and... Um, and they're welcoming and they're inclusive, you know, and I think that's a real massive strength. I think it's a really, really big difference to the way that some people approach martial arts or combat sport training. Mm-hmm. You know, we're doing it as a team sport. We're doing it as a family, even though we fight as individuals. Yeah. So, you know, um, yeah, talking about that, um, that last MMA fight that you had was, um, I don't know, what was the end of twin closer to the end of 2019. Is that correct? Um, the, the, the last fight was, um, it was in February of, of February 2020, 2020. And it was actually the Saturday before we had the UFC in Auckland. 
Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, yeah. Because I remember, yeah, it was pretty close together. I remember, man. And um, for those who haven't watched uh, um, Carl's uh, MMA fight, you should go check it out on YouTube. Just Google his name. Uh, just YouTube. I mean, search his name on YouTube, and you'll be able to see the fight. And that was a that was a beautiful performance, man. Thank I, you, bro. Uh, yeah, I enjoyed thanks. the fight. Um, well, it didn't last very long, but I enjoyed the start the fight from start to finish, and uh, it was really cool. You know, watching how man, I just, I looked at you. You were very calm, composed, collected, and um, you know, you you met you 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 did very well. Like you know, controlling your range. Obviously, with all the experience that you had, you know, you didn't let him come close, and uh, you know, you kind of picked your shots and uh, you know ch chose where you where you stuck, and then you moved. It was really fast. I enjoyed it. And um, the last part, obviously, was when you caught him and you when when you rocked him, mm -hmm. and then you just you know came in to finish it, you know, and that yeah. was so cool. I, I like, um, I like how you, even though that last part there, um, when you saw he was robbed, you, I saw how you came in as well. You were very careful in, in how you approached and finished it. And obviously the ref's going to stop because he was, yeah, he, he wasn't just able to defend himself or attack back at that point. But um, you were still very careful on how you approached that last part. And, you know, it, I think not not a lot of people understand like all these small little things that Details, goes into yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. but um, man, I want to ask you how how was your how was your experience? Uh, you know, after that, your, your first MMA fight, um, you know, your pro MMA fight. Uh, how how did you feel that went for you? And uh, were there any anything different uh, from like previous competitions and all that for yeah. you? Yeah, look, um, I loved it. I loved the whole experience. Say, <laughs> hey, I mean. There's a there's a lot of um, there's a lot of intense feelings and those are very similar to to performance, regardless of how you're performing. Like if you're performing on a big film, and there's you know a couple of hundred people relying on you to deliver something in a stunt, then it's a similar feeling, a similar feeling of pressure and performance and keeping yourself present and putting your best out there and backing yourself and having faith. As there is if you're at a world championship for Taekwondo. Or, or as there is if you're in an MMA fight or, you know, anything where you perform. Um, for me, regardless of what the outcome was, I felt, you know, I, I felt good to get in and, um, and do it and continue to test myself. You know, um, I, think, I think I don't want to be in the situation where I'm an old man and I look back on everything and i and i think you know why why didn't i keep doing that why didn't i keep going further why did i buy into other people's limitations of what i can and cannot do you know you said earlier that um i'm gonna be 37 soon you know i like the idea of like not letting the old man and you know what i mean like it's like a certain self-fulfilling prophecy like i look at things and i i see people like a, like i say a your romero you know what i mean who seems to defy aging and our, mo our general conception of what's possible at a certain age you know what i mean i mean he i mean he's a freak as it is you know uh physically but what i'm what i'm saying is i think so much of that is a mentality and um so just being able to continue to test myself and grow and develop i feel grateful for that yeah a big part of what i feel is um is gratitude i feel gratitude to um the team that helped me um to doug and huge who um you know, supported me and all the boys at City Kickboxing as well and all of my team at Van Rijn Martial Arts and to my wife, uh, my partner, Marnie. Yeah, because, you know, it takes a lot of, it takes, a lot of people don't necessarily appreciate 
what mm. happens behind the scenes and how much you have to sacrifice to get ready for something. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Because if you want to do it well, uh, for me, it's not something that you do lightly. You don't half, you don't play MMA. Do yeah. you know what I mean? And that is one thing that is a bit different than when you fight in those in that environment that is a little bit different to um you know to other to other martial arts sports combat sports taekwondo you can still get you know you can still get starched with a spinning kick or something 100 percent, or get your rib cracked exactly but but it's not quite as it's not quite as confronting no it's, yeah. it's a lot less confronting you know the, the interesting one you know since you you were talking about you, you mentioned a few times about the spinning back kicks and all that mm. and now uh, what was interesting for me was certain forms of i think you mentioned uh, taekwondo um they don't allow um elbows yep, was yep. it elbows and uh all punches to the face yeah 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 that but, would be olympic taekwondo yeah yeah but you can have kicks to the face which oh yeah yeah that's like kyokushin karate yeah yeah so it's interesting isn't it you know there's all different I think that one's like definitely a kick to the head it's way more dangerous than a punch yeah i think the thing elbow. is totally i think the i think the frequency the the number of times in which you can kick somebody in the head because of the distance it has to travel is far less. So what happens is you you end up with these very different martial arts that develop because they've got rule restrictions. Paradoxically, when you restrict something, you actually become more creative and more expansive because with the restrictions you have to get more creative. For example, in Kyokushin karate, it's bare knuckle fighting. You can punch. It's full contact. You can punch to the body. You can't punch the face. But you can kick the legs, kick the body, kick the head. You can knee the body. So you can knock them out with a head kick or a knee. But you can't punch to the face. So if you want to try to knock them out, you either have to knock, drop them with a body shot. Mm. Or you have to head kick or knee them or something like that. So then what happens is people become really good head kickers. Right? Yeah. And they take those head kicking skills. If they're, if they're adaptable enough, they might take those head kicking skills into K1 or into mixed martial arts. And then if they can develop their boxing enough, now they've got good boxing with great head kicking. And so people like Glaube Feitoza, Francisco Filo, uh, Andy Hug, they all came from a full contact karate background originally. So Andy Hug, you know, he's knocked people out with axe kicks. Unfortunately, he died of like, um, I think it's non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, a form oh. of leukemia. And, um, but he used to knock people out with axe kicks. Francisco Filo, he, he used to use Brazilian kick really well, question mark kick. Mm. you know what we normally call that and they used to call it brazilian kick because the brazilians got really really good at that but then when they went into kickboxing they had superior kicking skills but the reason that they had developed the superior kicking skills was because they weren't using boxing with them so they were forced to be creative but like jujitsu if you didn't have restrict if you could punch nobody would spend time developing the guard as much because every time they try to do it they get punched in the face you know what i mean if you didn't have the gi and the guard um and no striking and like uh, longer if there was more time limits then people wouldn't have the time to be more creative and experiment and explore you know what i mean so through restrictions you get better at it same with taekwondo there's no low kicks in taekwondo hmm. you can't kick the legs you can't elbow you can't knee you can't grab so what do you get better at you change you learn how to side kick from a longer range you'd stand side on because there's no need to stand frontal and check a leg there's no need to um, develop takedown defense for that game you you change depending on it boxing Conor McGregor got the hell kicked out of his leg recently because he was using like a boxing stance, you know what I mean? But at the same time, boxers have the best hands and we can't deny that, but their hands become strong because they're restricted to only using them. So they become even more creative. They, they do things 
that other people would find too dangerous or wouldn't bother to do in other combat sports. Like they do like shoulder rolling and advanced slipping and bobbing and weaving and head movement that's just like like a canelo, you know, like it's like Yeah, he rolls with amazing. it. Amazing. Yeah. Shocking stuff. He <laughs> I, I, I love that. I love that I love that dynamic, you know. So and I think I think that's part of what um where I've enjoyed um, you know, exploring things in a in a unique way. Because if you go across different things with restrictions, you have to become more innovative or adapt. Um, yeah, well, so that's, enjoy that. That's pretty. Yeah, that's that's pretty awesome. Uh, so with you know with all this uh, you know the different arts that you learn and all that, um, how would you say you know when it's like twenty over years worth of martial arts, you know, how would you say it has benefited you outside the dojo? Yeah. Oh well, to me, it's. Um, <clears throat> You can't, they're just meshed together. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. Um, all traditional martial arts masters emphasize the same thing. They all emphasize developing human character first and then developing technique later. So, you know, yeah. In Taekwondo, we have five tenants. That's courtesy, integrity, perseverance, self-control, indomitable spirit. And all of those are human characteristics that you know you can develop and you work on and that are really more important for success and living a healthy, happy life than developing an awesome spinning kick or a great triangle choke or an epic double leg. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And those things, I think... In life, if you can develop courtesy, be courteous to people, integrity, say no when you've done something wrong and admit it and don't, you know, be full of it. Um, hold yourself accountable and work to be righteous, you know, just as a starting point. Those things serve you well both on the mat and off the mat. If you're courteous to your training partners, they want to train with you more. It creates a great environment. That's why martial arts are built on respect. And that goes for the world. If you're working on business, um, you know, being courteous in your exchanges in a business place, having integrity, not trying to screw somebody over. Same with your personal relationships, you know. Even though my child is, I have children, even though they're my children, I have to be um, courteous and kind to them and patient, just as I would be as a martial artist, not just for when I've got a uniform on or I'm practicing martial arts. So everything naturally extends. And whether you want to look at the, the tenets of Taekwondo or you want to look at um, similar things that exist in Karate or Judo, that's basically, that's where martial arts evolved from. When did martial arts become martial arts? They differentiated themselves from war arts, um, which preceded them. So before, before Judo, there was Japanese Jiu-Jitsu. And Japanese Jiu-Jitsu was practiced by you know, largely the warrior class, samurai class, and it was more about killing. And then they were like, hmm, we've got this Meiji restoration, which happened around the 1890s, if I'm not mistaken. And they decided, well, what's the point in all this old archaic stuff, you know? Mm. Is there any use in this? Is there any use in this in civilized society, all this killing? And so they were like, okay, let's reform these and create, and create martial arts that can be used to develop character. Because what they recognized was that all of these 
um, military arts, through them, you built stoic and strong and solid people with strong character. And they wanted to keep the character, but not necessarily keep the, the, the violent aspect. They wanted to use the, the struggle that you find in martial arts to develop people. And that's where martial arts were developed. So, yeah, so basically, that's how I see martial arts myself. I see it as a, something that is like an everyday thing for me. You know what I mean? Something that I need to reconcile with. I'm not just a martial artist when I'm on the mat and try to be um, upstanding and courteous and respectful there. I need to carry that with me wherever I go. And I think it's something that is unfortunate if you don't carry that into combat sports as well. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? I think the best combat sports people, the ones that I admire the most, are the ones that have self-awareness and self-reflection and thing. I mean, banter is all good and selling a fight is all good and hamming things up, I understand, you know, marketing and I get it. But at the end of the day, um, I love the genuine aspect. And I don't think that you have to be a toxic asshole to be a good fighter. Do you know what I mean? Exactly, yeah. You know, what's interesting, you mentioned about being a, you know, a father. Would you say you know, your your background in martial arts actually, actually like has helped you to be a better father? Or would you say, you know, being a father would be good for someone who's getting into martial arts? Mm. Yeah, that's an interesting question. I think both could apply. Mm. You know, I kind of feel like I didn't, I kind of feel like personally becoming a dad forced me to grow up a lot. It forced me to take a lot of look at myself and think, you know, and actually, um, not be um, only focused on myself. Um, I kind of consider the people that I train with in martial arts as like a, a family, an extended family. And in Japanese martial arts or Korean martial arts, we have a concept called senpai and kohai, senior and junior. And everybody that is below you in rank and ability and experience it's the expectation that you will support and help them as your juniors, much like you would help children. Like it takes a village to raise a child. So growing up in like traditional martial arts, anybody that's younger than you and newer than you or fresher than you, you have that responsibility. And their responsibility is to be respectful and kind and courteous to you in reciprocation to them, you know? And so I think that naturally, um, that naturally kind of applies to like a family and kids and things like mm -hmm. that. You know, um, I don't know if it necessarily makes me a better parent than any other parent. I mean, parenting is a hard, <laughs> it is, is a in hard itself, ask regardless, yeah. you know. It, 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 is a, it is a tough job, man, you know. Um, I'm getting into a little bit about, uh, you know, your um, choreograph, fighting, uh, you know, doing stunt work, yeah. working on films and all that. Um, yeah, some of the cool ones you, you, you mentioned to us earlier was Power Rangers and... Uh, I was sort of, you know, I was on your Instagram. I can't remember if it was your Instagram, but there was a few. There was Power Rangers and there were some others, like, was it Avatar? Mm. Yeah, and the films as well? Like, yeah. oh, sorry, TV shows as well and oh, all that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah How did you, like, well, I, I'd imagine, you know, naturally with all the talents that you've developed, it will, it kind of, uh, it's really good for that industry. Yeah. But how did you get into that industry? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I started doing stunts and um, in 2010, so around about 11 years ago. Um, and I, my first job actually was Power Rangers. 
and uh, yeah, remember dressing up as a monster on the first day and getting oh man, why were they kicked, put you as a bad guy? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm always a bad guy. <laughs> yeah, and um, look, I've been able to do a whole bunch of things. And the what? Well, the other one was the Hobbit. The Hobbit. That yeah. was a cool one. Yeah. 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 Which character did you play in the Hobbit? Uh, I was a stunt double for one of the lead actors um, called Lee Pace. Um, he played a character called Thrandall, who's the king of the elves. Oh, he, um, he had like long white hair. He like rode in like on a big kind of elk, like moose creature. Yeah, man, that's really cool. He was like cutting dudes with like two swords at once. And he's the, he's the father of Legolas, if you recall yeah. the story. But um, he's that's like, really like, yeah, it was cool. I doubled yeah. him in tw- 2012, 2013. Um, and then, yeah, I've been able to do all sorts of things over the years. And um, particularly last year was a really big year. Mm. Um yeah, I can't mention the particular um, TV yeah. show that I was working on last year, but it's a big American production that will be coming out soon. A very big sort of new um, Game of Thrones-esque type um, TV show. Okay. Um, that's that's something I've been doing. And then a few other ones too, um, which I can mention. Um, another one um, is a new show called um, Vegas, which is coming out, which is going to be kind of cool. Um, Vegas. Vegas as in like Rota Vegas. Oh. Like Rota Rua. Okay. It's all about like, um, all about like um, uh, gangs and drugs and drama and um, yeah, there should be, I'll have a moment on that. Yeah, that's pretty, and, where is it going to be out on like Netflix or? Um, I think it will probably be on TVNZ or TV3 um, oh. for that particular one. Yeah. But but there will be there will be other things that I'll be involved with on um, various networks. Um, yeah, in the past I, I had um I've had characters on Shortland Street for acting wise and stuff too, mm. um, yeah. Look, it's been in like a really awesome ride for someone that grew up watching martial arts movies, mm. and that was originally what inspired me to want to train. Get into it, eh? Yeah, that's kid, it. You, watch it on TV. you know, it's like, the same old thing, eh? The Van Damme kick, you know, and <laughs> you know what I mean. The Bruce Lee. <laughs> uh, Man, that's like that's like you know inspirations for kids around the world. Man, everybody look at that. You know, you young kid is like, man, I want to do that. Totally. You know, they they make it they make it look cool, and they make it look. The problem is they make it look easy, and then now everybody wants to get, get into it. <laughs> man, but with um, with all these films that you've worked on, which is the you know which which is the one you'd say would be like the highlight for you or you know, your favorite. Um, part mm. you've doubled for well recently um i this this actually this show this show vegas last year one thing that i really enjoyed was um i had the opportunity to choreograph a uh, fight scene for that i yeah choreographed a fight scene and then i also um acted and did the fight scene with with another actor um and i won't give away the plot and everything and the mm. whole storyline um, but that was really satisfying to be able to do like a, um, a two day shoot and collaborate with the director and the stunt coordinator. Shout out to, um, Mark Harris, Mark Harris. and, um, Kyle McNaughton, who was the director on, um, Vegas. Um, yeah, really appreciate the opportunity to be able to do that and, um, yeah, show some different ideas on the screen, um, stuff that had inspired me and hopefully inspire other people. And it's just a great way to express yourself and explore martial arts through another avenue you know i really really love that and then also this other big american funded um tv show last year that that is you know you you that you'll find out about soon that has been a another highlight of my career which we shot for many many months throughout 20 um 2020 2020 and, and actually um i was 
while we were filming very long days um, and wearing some quite uncomfortable uh, costumes <laughs> for long days, <laughs> acting and doing stunts and fighting and stuff, um, I was actually the, it was actually the same week that I was cutting weight for that eternal fight. Really? Yeah. yeah. So, oh. um, so you know, um, but but everything really worked out well in the end, and just just to be able to have the blessings to be able to do these things, um, yeah, I feel grateful to be able to do it. So. Because, uh, for, you know, from what I understand, like the movie and the film industry can be very demanding. Very. It's very it's, consuming. You know, it's a lot of pressure, budgets, timelines, and all that. Yeah. You know, and, you know, sometimes it's, and maybe I, I would say, you know, is it, I don't know, your, like your specific experience, but from what you mentioned, you know, it has been pretty good, you know, the, between like the directors producers and like you know just getting everything together yeah so that because sometimes it's hard to when someone who doesn't might not have uh you know a lot of knowledge in like martial arts and all that and they tell you like i want this 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 yeah and you're thinking like man is this guy for real that's or? true there's there's such a it's 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 its own beast you know it's its own it's its own thing, you know, and it's something that you you learn from experience from being on set, understanding understanding how to collaborate with all the different departments to actually realize a vision. You know, as a martial artist, if you came straight in, you could have incredible skills, but integrating that with camera, light, sound, storyline, locations, um, timelines, budgeting, uh, you know, it's, mm. it's such a different thing. So... Um, so yeah, like sometimes people describe martial arts for movies as like movie dough, you know, like it's its own martial art. Yeah. <laughs> the way of movies, you know, the way of fighting in movies. And I kind of like that, you know. Um, so it's another thing that I've enjoyed exploring over time. Um, yeah, and and it's definitely a consuming thing. It's a bit like, it's a bit like hospitality, you know, the hours that people work on that. Like it's pretty ruthless. It's pretty consuming. Long hours, late nights. Um, you often pull an all-nighter. You often pull like a 15, 16-hour oh. day. Wow. It's not, it's, it's it's not unusual. It's trying to all of that. They've got to get it done. Yeah. They've got to get it done. And yeah. and there's always spanners that get thrown in the works and there's so many moving parts and the tribe has to be really cohesive to make it work. Mm. It's um, it's cool, but it's hectic as well. It's mm. consuming, you know? Um, Carl, I actually have a question. Uh, oh, well, no, sorry. Not my question, but... Um, someone actually gave this question, which uh, which was really interesting. Uh, the question is... Who's um, the someone? Oh, uh, it's Cam, Cameron Ralston. Oh, uh, Ralston. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so he, 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 you know, he, he talked about this. Um, he said this huge karate tournament that you competed and won twice in a row, oh. which practically made you the best in the world twice, right? Um, he said, uh, you know, he wanted to know what would be like your... How you approach... Um, that specific that specific competition mentally mm. yeah and can we know which 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 karate competition we're talking about he he might be talking about um it, it, I'm, not, I'm not sure which one he in particular he's talking about he might be talking about stuff that i've done with competing with iska which is international sport karate association or he might be talking about competitions that i've done in japan um yeah I, i'd have to verify that but regardless mm. the answer would be similar you know um yeah so the question was about preparing for it mm. right mentally yeah. Mm, yeah how did you approach that yeah. competitions yep it's it's not it's not that different to the way that i would pro uh, approach performing regardless 
And in that, it's about, well, one, one important thing is, you know, in sports psychology, we have a, um, an idea about being uh, internally validating versus externally validating. So when you're looking for external validation, you're looking for external praise or um, justification to do things. Internally validating people are well, what they sound like. They're, they validate themselves. And a big part of that, I think, is about focusing on what you can control. You know, so regardless of whether I'm preparing for an MMA fight, a karate tournament, a world championships, um, a fight for the screen, anything that I want to um, perform at my best, I, f I try to identify what things that I can control today will have the biggest bearing on likelihood of me being successful in my endeavor. And that's about internal validation and focusing on the intrinsic controllable factors not the external non-controllable factors because it's very easy to get overwhelmed. Some tournaments, like there are tournaments in the world with Waco or ISK and there are thousands of competitors. And when you step in, it's just it's just a circus. It's just mayhem. It's just there's so much energy. You can easily get swept up in the adrenaline of it all. You get on the floor, your intention is not set, you just lose the plot. Things happen like that all the time in when we're performing on in other things too. So it's about being centered in yourself, you know? And I'm not saying that I am necessarily the master of doing that in all times. That's why I continue to test myself, you know? And try to test myself in different ways so that I can bring more to my students. And um, yeah, yeah. I think that's a big part of what I would emphasize. Yeah, that's you know? pretty cool. Um, so anyway, now we've come to the part of the show, we're gonna ask you, uh, you know, uh, wise words from the wise men. You know, oh. so yes. So if you could give um, you know people who are watching, listening, some advice, could be in life, could be in fighting, whichever you like. Uh, what would you be and what would you say to them? Mm. Um. You know, I I reflect back on mm. my um on being a being like a young man or like a teenager, and I was at high school, like 12, 13, 14 years old, and I remember talking with my friends about my passion for martial arts. And I remember some of these kids were like, they were talking about what they want to do in the future for business, you know, for their jobs. They were talking about how they, you know, they're excited to be on the first 15 and go and play rugby. And that's cool, whatever. Um, or to, to um, pursue art or music or whatever it is. And I remember one of my friends saying to me, um, you know, what's the point in everything that you're doing with martial arts now? You know, there's not going to be like a future in that. There isn't, you know what I mean? There isn't like a, because it, what you have to remember is it was like, this is like the year 2000. Back in those days, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Mm. There wasn't like the mainstream recognition of like, things have changed quite a lot. Do you know what I mean? A lot. A yeah. lot, yeah. It's like Just look at the mainstream recognition of mixed martial arts, for example. Look at the professionalism, the rise in professionalism, sports science, sports psychology, um, professionals that support um, elite level performance in martial arts. That's like, that's mainstream and really, really cool now. Back in the day, there was none of that. And I didn't know there was going to be that. But what I did know was I knew that I loved martial arts. And I already knew from when I was basically 10 years old, as soon as I started, that that's what I wanted to do until I couldn't do it. You know, like until as long as I can walk or move, I will do it. Till the wheels fall off. That's it. 
exactly right. You know what I mean? And and so it didn't that didn't matter to me. That's that internal validation thing again. Mm. I'm not there to impress you. I'm not here to live up to your expectations. I'm not here to have to justify my passion for what it is. So if you're passionate about it and you love it, regardless of the ups and downs that you have or don't have, um, whatever success there is going to be for you that lies around the corner will only be there if you're willing to be courageous enough to pursue it and pursue your passion and not settle for something that's the status quo that is the safe way of doing things. You know what I mean? So I would say if you love martial arts, you love whatever part of it, or even if it's not as a martial artist, even whatever passion you have, you know, um, as far as we know, you only live once as to what happens when you die. You know, maybe the jury's still out, depending on what you believe. But for me, um, I have absolutely no regrets and I'm so grateful for all the opportunities that have presented themselves. And I believe that they presented themselves because when I went all in, the universe reciprocated and went all in. And when I went all in, everything became an opportunity for me to grow more and develop more. And people don't see your failings and your struggle. They see your public success and they think, oh, it's because of your talent. But I think a lot of the time it's because they don't commit all in to their passions out of fear or out of what other people will think. And um, I would say, politely, I would say, fuck that. Do you know what I mean? Mm. You do you. You know what I mean? It's your life. Like, get after it. Chase it, eh? That, Chase it, yeah. And the big one, you know, you say about, you know, what you say of not looking back and thinking, man, I should have done that, you know. By that time, like, it's too, you know, it's too late. If you're already thinking that, it's too late. But you think it's like... You know the the other well, the other one is like you know when earlier when we were talking about some some professional fighters who you know big names who only started their their fight career like late in their twenties thirties even you mm-hmm. know some boxers I know and uh, like you know really if you know maybe if you can't walk or like <laughs> you know you can't you know move your hands properly that might not be the best time for you to start but yeah, there'll be something else there'll be something else there'll be exactly something else for you there's always if you have the, the courage to do exactly it. to just to begin know, pursue it yeah and um yeah you know like it's one one thing that someone just um you know just a couple of days ago someone said to me this uh, was really interesting you know you'd rather be doing something uh because you think it's a good idea than not to do it stay in your comfort zone because you think it's a bad idea. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, but yeah, then again, like, you know, you have to do a lot of, I would say self work, mind work and, you know, working on that part to actually push yourself to, because it's, you know, maybe for us, it might be easier to, you know, go down this avenue because we, you know, we've done it for a while, but I mean, at some point, uh, we we did when we didn't know or when we didn't no. do it, it wasn't as easy, you no. know. So yeah, man, that's that's actually some really wise words, Carl. Man, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, just, yeah. um, anyway, Carl, I don't want to keep you uh, uh, too long. Just the last one before you go. Um, is there any uh, future plans of yours uh, that you'd like to share with us? Any cool stuff in the works? Mm. Uh, what what are you working on? Mm. 
Well, there'll be a whole. I would I would expect there'll be a whole bunch of stuff coming out on film and TV Ooh, um, yes. that that will have like um, fight scenes or acting moments um, um, on a whole bunch of different productions. I, I think I worked on maybe five or six different shows last year, so th- I'm looking forward to seeing that come out. And I'm still working on some more ones this year. Um, I'm working with um, different fighters um, in kickboxing and mixed martial arts and helping them get ready for their fights. Um, I'll keep my you know ear close to the ground and I'm staying in shape and uh, continuing to grow and you know I might take another fight myself we'll see how we go and um, yeah just building up my um, building those that I mentor like you said you know um, you don't know what you don't know and everybody needs everybody needs support you know and guidance and that's why we all we're social animals, you know what I mean? We feed off each other's energy. Each other, yeah. yeah. Which is which is really cool what you mentioned about like helping the other fighters and all that. I want to talk a little bit about um, you know, the you actually worked with uh, Israel Adesanya um for his fight before and he actually mentioned you shared that post on your Instagram, mm. you know, how uh, um, Israel Israel was saying that um, you guys actually drilled a lot of this a particular kick that uh um Whitaker well, you, he throws a lot or he kicks a lot and uh, you guys drilled on that particular technique and uh, so yeah you 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 know you're no stranger to working with like the elite mm-hmm. you know and helping to share your knowledge with them and the other one will be obviously um, that comes to mind would be with blood diamond yeah. you know and um he actually says to me as well like you know you're probably the guy that he learns a lot of uh, his cool crazy <laughs> kicks and all that he actually told me not to tell people <laughs> they don't want uh, they don't want people to steal his moves <laughs> but uh, you know you, you have a lot of praise from all these guys man and uh, you know uh, it's, 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 it's good to know that um, you know people from different like backgrounds and all that are just working together yeah. feeding off each other what you're sh- you know you're saying and just elevating man, helping each mm. other to elevate because that's what it is you know um mm. That you've got to help each other. There's, there's no ego. No. Um, you know, you work together, help each other. You know, everybody has something to put on the table and, mm. uh, you know, you can learn from all these guys. But yeah, um, how, how was that, you know, um, with that, especially that one uh, that you did with uh, Israel, for example, um, how, how was that? Uh, how did you know, like, what specifics or, you know, did you study that fight a lot? Yeah. And try to look at all those stuff or yeah yeah look I just um I just take the same approach that I would that I would do if I'm studying footage for a fighter that I'm preparing for for a, for a championship study the habits study the subconscious um, patterns of behavior that they use to set up certain things because when they're under pressure they'll always revert to those habits and then see if there is inefficiencies in the movement or there are giveaways about when they're going to do it and if there, are, if there are vulnerabilities in their recovery or in their delivery. And then it's just like a matter of like collaborating with Izzy or Eugene and just giving a perspective. I mean, I, you know, honestly, I feel grateful to be able to apply some of the things that I've learned. Um, yeah, I just feel like a big kid, you know what I mean? It's just like playtime. Awesome, we get to try this, we get to try that. <laughs> you know, I was I was um, maybe half a dozen rows back from the cage when Izzy fought Whitaker. And, uh, you know, I was I was screaming and super pumped. And when he was using the moves, I was like, I was sitting next to, my, to Marnie, my partner. And I was like, he did the thing, he did it, yeah, yeah. And, and then, been, you know. It's just so cool, especially to see, like, you've been work something you've been working on for, yeah. like, weeks, months, yeah. you know. To see that you know come into fruition and actually use exactly the yeah and and he 
and then for him to mention that in the press conference you know like i really appreciate that you know i'm a, there's no expectation for that to occur um uh, i'm a, you know i'm a professional martial artist and for him to give me props on that is something that's really it's kind for him to share his moments in the spotlight with his teammates and that's something i really respect to share about his him. secrets you know there's a tricks of the trade <laughs> oh, yeah. you know? sometimes like you know it's funny um man and obviously you know israel is is the kind of guy he will give record you know respect and recognition where it's due he's, he's you yeah, know he's not great things about him you know he, he he will say it and he's not shy to say it but you know sometimes when you think about it man do i really want to share all my secrets yeah, yeah. <laughs> that will be something that i'll think be thinking about you know but obviously you know Uh, you have to thank um, you know uh, with a lot of great fighters they always thank the people not just the ones who are currently working with but you know exactly. they go back to like from the beginning exactly and and see that even if they're not traditional martial artists that's what i feel is like the correct spirit of martial arts that courtesy that integrity to show the respect and kindness and know what's right and wrong and um and and i think those are things that are not just superficial things that we say those are things that help you to grow If you're more humble and if you're more courteous and you've got integrity and you stand by your word, um people back you more and you back you more and you have more self-respect and then you attract more success because and more support. So it's those are not things that are additional. Those are not things that are like, oh, it's a bonus if you're a nice guy. If you're if you're if you're a decent human being, you also perform better. Because mm. This is not something that you can you you can't you can't succeed in this game alone. It doesn't work exactly. like that. Yeah. Yeah, so that's what that's a deep respect that I have for the martial artists that um that I collaborate closely with like you know people like that I have been able to work with like Brad is another one Brad Riddell. It, last time he fought in Auckland, he was preparing for Magomed the and the guy uses spinning kicks and stuff. And I spent a lot of time spinning kicking him and getting him to drill the defenses and You know, it's my pleasure to be able to work with a person like that because he's he's a warrior, you know, and he stands by his word and he doesn't make excuses and he inspires me a lot. Exactly. Yeah, Brad is another one of the guys that, you know, doesn't get talked about enough, but man, he has that guy has a mentality that's like different, you know, uh, in this especially in this day it's hard to find someone who thinks like Brad who, uh, you know, not only thinks but backs it up with his actions as well. You know, and I, I like his, you know, his mentality of, especially the last fight that he did on the um, the fight island. You know, um, I actually really enjoyed uh, what he said in the um, the the post fight. You know, about that last minute or so of the fight, and he was saying like, you know, naturally he just wanted to go and brawl and you know just slug it out. But then he was like, you know, you think about all the time that all these people, have you know, in. have put in for you not to get through there. Great and then example. for you to yeah. just revert to and that, just be undisciplined and just throw it all away. <laughs> just yeah. be like, I just want to bang. Let but, me bang, you know. But 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 when you think about it, like sometimes you're in that moment, it's just so hard. And then goes back to what you said, you know, that the, the pillars and self control. There you go, man. You know, and yeah. it all comes back to that. And, exactly. Exactly. Uh, I, what I also like and appreciate about Brad, you know, he. You know, although he because although he's he's new in the UFC, but not really new. He's had like a few fights already, uh, but his extensive kickboxing K1 yeah. background, like he's fought some of the best in the world. Yeah. You know, his striking caliber is like it's just it's next level. Yeah. Um, and you know, I like his mentality on how there is no shying away from any fighters or the best or uh-huh. 
you know, to prove yourself, to test yourself, you have to fight against the best. Yeah. And keep challenging yourself. And, yeah. you know, like, not handpicking fights or yeah. choosing the easy ones or stuff yeah. like that. And, like, you know, if you look at his path so far in the UFC, they've thrown, like, you know, some badass guys with him. Like, they, they haven't given him any He's break. Earned it, yeah. And, and, you know, it's, it's really exciting to see, um, you know, where he goes with his journey as well and how he's going to get to the top, which I'm very sure he will uh, totally. in the near future. Uh, and, you know, the recent ones will be Carlos Alberg, who will be competing yeah. soon as well. That's yeah. another that's another interesting guy. Um, uh, we actually did a podcast with him last week. Awesome. Which, yeah, which will be out. Um, but yeah, anyway, Carl, I don't want to keep you uh, on Thank for you. too long. Uh, I really appreciate your time today coming and doing this podcast with us. I want to wish you all the best with, uh, you know, success in your 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 school, your dojo, uh, Venrude Martial Arts. Thank and you. For anyone who's watching this, you're interested to learn, uh, you want to get to know this guy and learn some tips and tricks, you know, how to become, you know, the best in the world, you know, and, and just, you know, not only just like physically or different martial arts or even like mentally. And that's what you, you said, you know, this the mental coaching side of things. Mm. And, you know, if anybody's interested in that, look for Carl, you can look in, for, I'll put links on Instagram and all that. And uh, yeah, you know, you can go there and learn. And, you know, I wish you, and I understand you've actually been having um, some, not troubles, but, uh, you know, with the space constraints, you know, that your gym's actually growing now oh, yeah, at a pace yeah. where the place is get, might be getting small. So who knows, you might be expanding and all that. There'll be, you know, there'll be some pretty interesting news as well. Um, and also, you know, in your constant journey of improving yourself as a martial artist and also in your MMA career, man. I hope to, and definitely I will be going, if you do wish to fight again this year, um, I'm going to definitely be going there to support you. Thank it'll, you, It'll brother. be cool to uh, come Appreciate and watch, that. man. Uh, anyway, Carl, thank you very much. Thank that you, man. awesome podcast, Appreciate brother. It. Cheers. Boom. Thank anyway, you guys, uh, thank you very much for staying and uh, we'll see you on the next one. Hey guys, Ali here. Just want to say thank you for listening to our podcast. We appreciate your love and your support. If you're not already on board, please do follow us on here and share it with your friends and family. If you prefer a visual experience, our videos are actually up on YouTube at the Ali channel. Please don't forget to subscribe, like and share and leave a comment or feedback if you like. And also you can follow us on our socials at the underscore Ali underscore channel for Instagram and on our Facebook page at The Ali Channel. We'll see you soon.